0: Hey, you are tuned into the Bold Church Podcast. My name is Yasmin Ruhi. I am one of the lead pastors here. We're so excited that you can join us for today's talk. We hope it blesses you. We hope it encourages you. And if you find it useful, go ahead and send it to someone else whose day you can bless. If you want to join us, we meet live every Sunday morning. If you want to find out our times or where we're meeting, head to our website at bold.church or head to our Instagram at boldchurch.com sv thank you so much and enjoy today's talk oh, good morning good morning who's excited for church uh, let me tell you it is uh for those of you that just walked in it is a miracle that we are even having church because not one but both trucks died this morning uh we normally get here at 7 30 set up to do church at 11 we didn't show up till nine i don't know how <laughs> angels must have set this stuff up i don't know how it happened but God is here. If you're new, let me just tell you, this Tuesday coming up, for those of you that want to take your next step in our in our church, how do we get more connected? It's called Growth Track. Anyone gone to Growth Track? Come on. Shout out. These are our dream team. Tuesday night, we'll provide dinner, the vision behind our church, the why behind our church, and it's a class for you as well because we get to help you discover your spiritual gifts. And then in the new year, I'm just letting you know, as a church, we're doing something we've never done before. We don't want you to go to another church and get and experience an experience and encounter with God. We want you to do it here. So next year we're having our very first, maybe annual, I can't I don't even want to use that word just yet. But our very first conference. Yeah. Anybody excited for conference? Yeah. Word and the speakers we got, I'm telling you, they are booked a year in advance and somehow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They said yes. I'm letting you know the tickets right now are fifty bucks. We should be charging 150. Because we're 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 swallowing the loss. But well, we want everyone to come. And tickets go up by 15 bucks, I've heard, in the new year. I don't know. I'll talk to the pastor. Uh, but I love Christmas because Christmas is the time of year where sometimes uh, people who normally don't come to church come to church. Yeah. Right. Maybe your grandma will grab you by the ear. Poppy. you're going to church today, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you went to church as a child. Let me just tell you, we don't care. We're just welcome. you are here. Uh, we created this church not only for Christians. Let me tell you, for unchurched people. Uh, the mission of this church is to help reach people who are far from God and bring them close to Jesus. Amen? Yes. Amen. I love the story of Elizabeth and, and Jose. We we do it for them. Because uh, it's easy to come to church and make it inward about us, but I'm going to do something what I normally don't do. I'm going to try to explain something very deep in a very practical way. Uh, normally I teach. Can I yell a little bit today? Let me ask you, can I preach today? Come on. Uh, we're not black, but we're, we might pretend for a little bit, right? Because I, I, need, I need some talk back. Because this is one of those sermons where I'm going to get in your face and emotional. Because Christmas, for some people, is a time of mourning. It's the loved one who's not here. And I want to give you some hope this morning. Amen? Amen. If you see the verse on your screen, someone shout amen. 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 This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, let me just stop right there. How can you be pledged to someone and not yet married, but then call him the husband? Because in that culture, they had this thing called betrothal. It's very different. We, in our culture, it's called engagement, where we wear a ring for a little bit, and then we get married, and things could separate before we get married. In that culture, betrothal was marriage. It was the ringy, but no dingy, if you know what I'm talking about. So the husband would go prepare a house for the wife, and sh- they would not have the wedding until after the house was built. So they're legally married, but in our culture, we would call them engaged. But Joseph, her husband, so they are married, was faithful to the law, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had, this, he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Someone say dream. I'm going to talk about that in a moment, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus means Savior. Watch, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The prophet is Isaiah. He's going to, about to quote a verse that was written. It is evidence 700 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah wrote these words. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel. Someone shout Emmanuel. Emmanuel. A little bit louder. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, because it was a dream. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. I want to preach to you for 32 minutes and 15 seconds, according to that clock in the back of the room, a message called God with Us. God with Us. Turn to your neighbor and say, He's here. He's here. Now turn to your other neighbor. You forsake down Christmas and say, He's here. He's here. You can bow your heads and close your eyes. Let me pray because we need it this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that uh, the enemy couldn't stop us from having church this morning. Often, God, the days that there's the greatest obstacle is the greatest breakthrough. God, you have a word for us. You, you're going to preach to us. You're going you're gonna to change us. We walked in one way, God, but we're going to walk out another. God, I don't know what the people in this room are suffering with. I don't know what, what's going on in their marriage and their finances. But, God, I believe that there are hurting people in this room that need hope. And, God, I, I, I may be a pastor, but I want to be a hope dealer this morning. I want to give people encouragement because that's why you came. You are God with us. If you believe that, everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Before we start with this tradition, just give Jesus a round of applause. Oh Come God. on. Everyone in this room have a nickname. A nickname. It's not the name that we call you; it's the name that those who know you personally call you. Uh, exactly. Everyone's got a nickname, right? There are names that identify you, and then there are names that separate you. Uh, as a kid growing up, I love nickname. I love the great Bambino. Who's that? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. How about uh, the Big Unit? Oh my gosh! No baseball fans. One. Randy Johnson, six foot ten ogre, left-handed. Uh, Michael Jordan has. It's called Air Jordan. Uh, my nickname is Devious Ali. I don't know why. Maybe because I was a little kid, I would terrorize all the other kids. It's actually a Persian word that literally translated uh, Ali the Devil, Ali Shaytun. Uh, but the nickname stuck, and most of you know me as Pastor Ali, but my family, when we're together, I'm the one pouring soy sauce in people's cokes. Come on, and I'm sitting there giggling. Because I just, I love it. Because there are names that identify you, and then there are names that separate you. Uh, let me explain this a different way. Uh, my, my daughter, when, when my wife and I conceived, she conceived. She did all the hard work. Um, <laughs> this is our first time we're pregnant. We were paying parents. We're like, God, you're going to give us this little person. What should we call her? What's, what's her calling? I remember, Yaz and I, my wife and I prayed. Pastor Yaz, she got a word from God that this little one, this little girl, was going to have the wisdom of God. So we named her Sophia, which means the Father's wisdom. And uh, we, we had a word for her, we had a calling for her. And then imagine how how crazy it was when we're 36 hours in labor. It was tiring for both of us, trust me. It's a joke, come on. Uh, 36 hours, uh, uh, intense labor, the baby hasn't come. And if most, most, some of you know this, some of you don't. A baby's supposed to have a heart rate of 140. And they have this monitor that they attach 24-7 to the mom, so the heart rate never drops. If it ever drops below a certain number, the alarms go off. Imagine the alarms that are going off in this hospital room when the heart rate drops to 40. Wow. Like, take the one away. And doctors say, if, th- if this goes on for more than five minutes, not only can the child die, he can have permanent brain damage. So after 36 hours, exhausted, tired, they're rushing my wife to the OR, and they're I'm using these words light, loosely, going to rip this baby, they're going to cut her open and bring this baby out. My wife and I, I'm sitting in a chair. There's nine doctors, maybe five or six other nurses running around this room, and we're literally crying out to God, God, would you save our little one? The next morning, good story, by the way, the doctor comes in. He's this older Jewish man. He goes, I'm not a religious person, and I don't really believe in God. But what happened yesterday is a miracle. That little girl should be dead right now. And my wife and I looked at each other and was like, oh, that's our miracle baby. See, so you know my daughter is Sophia. We know her as the miracle baby. Her name on, the, on her birth certificate says Sophia Noel Ruhi. But in our home, her nickname is the miracle baby. Because there are names that will identify you, and then there are names that will separate you. Amen? When Jesus died on a cross and, and was resurrected three days later, do you know there were 70 tombs in Jerusalem? Jesus was one of the most common names in the first century. 69 of them have a dead body inside. Only one is empty. Come on. Because the tomb is empty and there's news to tell. Because there are names that will identify you, and then there are names that will separate you. Emmanuel. Some of you are church for the very first time, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is his name Jesus or Emmanuel? Yes. And what's so beautiful about the the word Emmanuel, it it signifies not only who Jesus is, but how different Christianity is. It separates Christianity from other religions. When I was in college, as a 20-year-old, I began to pursue God. I began to study Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Kardashianism, all the religions. All the religions. And I remember reading the books from the other religions, and I, I saw a common pattern. You had to follow a rule book in every religion. And if you did it, if you obeyed it, Then God would accept you and you would achieve salvation. Then you would achieve heaven. Christianity is the only book. I don't know what that is. Christianity is the only book where it says you can never do enough. You can never be moral enough. You can never obey. I help in the PTA. I I feed homeless people. You can never do enough. Even Mother Teresa needs forgiveness. And the message of Christianity is Emmanuel. When we couldn't make a way, the bridge came to us. Heaven came to us. Heaven left earth and came down. Emmanuel. Can we give up for Jesus this morning? There are names that will identify you, and then there are names that will separate you. And that's what makes Christianity so different. God came to us. And it's a celebration of Christmas, of God being born. And that's what makes Christmas fun to preach, but also difficult to preach. Any parent knows that. If you tell your kids the same thing 10 times, by the 10th time, they're not even, it's like white noise, right? And then a, a celebrity will say it, or a pastor will say it, or a celebrity pastor will say it, and they're like, Dad, that's, oh my gosh, and like, you just want to hit that kid. Because they're not saying anything, you said that 10 times. And sometimes when you hear the same thing from a different perspective, it opens up to you. I preached the Christmas story from the perspective of the shepherds. Many of you don't know this, but shepherds were the lowest on the totem pole in Jewish culture. They were considered thieves. They were considered dishonest. They were actually unclean. No one, not only did not, they not want this job, no one wanted these people in their lives as friends. And when God came, guess who he announced the birth of his son to first? Shepherds. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are welcome in the kingdom of God. And then two years ago, I preached a sermon about the perspective of Mary. Mary is a 14 year old girl. She's got Justin Bieber poster on one side, she's got Taylor Swift on the other. Uh, she may have braces. Maybe her parents are rich. she got Invisalign, right? And, and the angel comes to her and says, You who are highly favored, you're going to carry God's son. And the angel says three times, Do not be afraid. And I preached this sermon about how you can have the favor of God on your life. Life can be difficult. Life can be hard. You can be in a season of suffering. And yet, not even know it, the favor of God is on your life. Because yeah. favor is on a feeling. Yeah. And sometimes Christmas is a reminder that even though life is got hard, God is with us. Amen? Yeah. Today, though, i got to tell you the Christmas story from a different perspective. And Maybe it's because I'm a dad. Maybe because I have a dad bod. I don't know. I'm going to give you the... The story of Christmas from the perspective of Joseph. And if you ever, any, anybody love Netflix? Come on. Oh, yeah. Anybody? Awesome. I, I'm a, a multitasker. I watch Netflix with my cell phone at the same time. Any one anyone of those people? Come on. Uh, if, if, if the Bible was on a Netflix movie, at the very end of the movie, you remember when you see the credits, you see the name, the first name is usually the most important name. Joseph's name would be at the bottom. His name would be next to the assistant to the regional costume director. <laughs> Because that's how unimportant he is. And yet, if you were to watch the b- movie at the beginning, he's in every scene for the first 10 minutes. If you read the, the Gospel of Matthew chapters 1 and chapter 2, you would think Joseph is a main character. He's the co-star. But he's not even mentioned from the rest of the book on. And yet, when the, gospel, when, when the fathers of our faith, when they, they didn't determine the content because all scriptures God-breathed. Yeah. But they got together and said, what's the order we should put this in? to help people understand who Jesus is they they chose listen the gospel of Matthew to go first which means they chose that they wanted us to read the perspective of Christmas from the perspective of Joseph here's why cuz you and I are Joseph he, we have his perspective we don't realize Mary come on let's just no one can relate to a 14-year-old girl with God inside of her okay Maybe you had Taco Bell and there's something godly inside of you. That's, that's different. No, no one has God inside of them. No one is Jesus who has humanity on the outside, okay? I know you think you're awesome and you're a snowflake. You're not Jesus, okay? You and I are Joseph. We're the only one in the story that's like, what is going on, right? Let's, just, let's not read over the fact that Mary conceived without having sex. That's crazy, I started sharing faith with my dad uh, at the age of 65. I had the, the, the honor of baptizing him in my church last year. Uh, it was amazing. He passed away this May. He's parting with Jesus, watching us right now. But for 15 years, his number one objection was not biblical sexuality, was not the tie. He pulled me in close. Come on, Allie, come here. I'm like, yes, Dad. She had sex, right? <laughs> I'm like, who, dad? Mary. She definitely had sex, right? Because that's the objection. Many of you are in church for the very first time. Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe an ad on Instagram invited you, and that's your objection. A virgin birth. I love the words of Francis Collin, the the head of the Human Genome Project. There was a, a study, a PBS study, on how this top. he's one of the smartest two people in America. They say he's one of the Top five smartest people in the world. And he accepted Christ at the age of 50. And they're doing this PBS special. How does this top scientist become a Christian? And they're asking him all these questions. And he was sharing this testimony that I thought was so powerful. He, He writes to his colleagues saying, this past weekend, I became a Christian. Hoping they would celebrate. Hoping they'd like cheer him on. And the email wrote from his peer, his best friend at work. I refuse to believe in the virgin birth. I'm like, dude, that, he's right. Most atheists, this is the number one objection. This is so, A virgin birth, come on. And I loved what Francis Collins says. I, I, I took it, put it in my back pocket, using it today five years later. He said, everyone believes in the virgin birth. You either believe the, the universe has a virgin birth, came out of nothing, or you believe God came out of nothing. But everyone believes in a virgin birth. The question is, which virgin birth do you believe in? Let's put ourselves in the shoes of Joseph for a moment. Joseph is 20 years old. His wife is probably a few years younger than him, and he's like, wait, 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 wait. Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> were you sleeping or were you awake? I was awake, honey. Okay. And who came to you? An angel. An angel. Okay. And what did he say? I'm going to be pregnant. But I'm not going to be the dad. No, you're not going to be the dad. Okay. And you're going to be pregnant. Yes. <laughs> and God's the dad yes I can just see him pacing she's she's lying she's lying and and who who's the baby God whoa I'm confused is God the dad or God the baby yes I'm out I'm out and we sing these songs like Mary did you know sing with me that's your baby boy yeah she knew she got an angel Joseph didn't get anything. The subtitle of today's sermon is this. Joseph, did you doubt? That your mama girl was sleeping with someone else. Because that's the song we should be singing. Because how in the world? This has never happened in human history. Joseph, at this point, has not been told by an angel. His wife comes home. His wife, I'm pregnant. Yeah, right, you're pregnant. He wants, this is a righteous man. He wants to believe. And the Bible tells us small details. He was going to put her to divorce. He was going to put her away. And people say, oh, no, 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 but Pastor Ellie, he took her home. Yeah, every time he saw her pregnant, he wondered, was it really God? I wrote down like this. You can do it and still doubt it. You can do it and still doubt it. Listen, listen. Some of you, you bought a brand-new car. You're driving home. Yeah. Your kids are like, let's go to McDonald's. No. We're going to eat home for the rest of our lives. (laughs) Because you can buy it and doubt how you're going to pay for it at the same time. Single people, come on. It all depends on when we catch you. On a Monday night, you're like, single ladies, all my single ladies. (laughs) Loving life as a single person. Then Friday comes, and you're watching the fourth edition of Christmas Prince, and you're weeping, where's my prince? (laughs) Because you can be single and doubt it at the same time. How about some of you who diet? Anyone... No one's dieting now. It's December. I'll ask this question in a month. Every hand will go up, right? And I remember my, my roommate in college, he went ballistic my senior year. Bought the protein, bought the workout clothes, working hard for like three or four months, and then one day I come home from school, it has got pizza on the counter, he's got ice cream on his lap, and I, I don't want to say anything. Maybe he's like having a bad day. I don't know. Maybe it's a cheat day. I'm like, you're hungry, huh? He goes, shut up. I go, bro, what's up? He goes, I weighed myself this morning. Because I didn't hit my goals. It's not working. Here, you can diet and doubt it at the same time. But let's get it a little serious. You can be married and doubt it at the same time. You sit in the same car, come to church, serve next to each other, and at the end of the day wonder, did I marry the right person? Is the effort going to get better than this? Because you can be married, listen, and doubt it at the same time. Some of you, you have a sickness. You have a a disease that you're not telling anyone, maybe something that the doctor spoke over you, and you're praying for it, you're fasting for it, and you're believing God's going to take it away, but you're sick and waiting for your healing, and you're doubting it at the same time. Listen, you can do church and doubt it at the same time. I've told this story many times. There there was a, a, a couch with eight people surrounding it. That's how we started this church. We started with our eight closest friends who wanted to start a church for unchurched people. But those meetings were private. We didn't tell anyone. It was invite only. And then we went public. We put it on our Instagram. We started emailing friends, calling friends. We, everyone needs to come. I rented my mom's uh, clubhouse at her, at her apartment that she lived in. could fit 40, 50 people. My like, Jesus, bring them all. Come on. Let's start this church. 13 people came. I still preach my heart out, but when we got to the car, I'm like, are we going to be alive in six months? Come on, because you can pastor and doubt it at the same time. Joseph brings Mary home, but he is struggling. He is struggling with doubt. Listen, I know he had a dream that God told him this was going to happen. But listen, I promise you that I promise you this dude was doubting. And it continues. Watch this. Uh this is Matthew chapter 11. I want to read this to you. Some of you in this room, you, you, you're ashamed to talk about your doubt. You, you have fear about talking about your doubt. The people, the heroes of the faith in, this, in the Bible, all of them had doubt. If you don't doubt, you're a liar. You have two things. You doubt and you lie. Jesus talks about his, his cousin, John the Baptist. He was the greatest man who ever lived. No one has more faith, more belief, more passion for God. No one was greater than John the Baptist. And look what John the Baptist writes. He's writing this, these words. Listen, from prison. He's been arrested. John the Baptist was in his womb when Mary comes in the room, and I read it to you. And he begins to kick and leap because he recognizes the Messiah is in the room. John the Baptist was, as a teenager, left his home, began to preach in the wilderness to prepare the way for Jesus. John the Baptist was the one that says, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away this. Before anyone knew who Jesus was, John the Baptist knew. John the Baptist had hundreds of followers, and they all left him to go follow Jesus. If anyone knows who Jesus is, it's John the Baptist. But doubt comes when pain comes. And he's from prison. And this man who spent his whole life Telling people who Jesus is, ask this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And I love what Jesus says. I don't have it on the screen. He doesn't rebuke John the Baptist. He goes, do the blind see? Do the lame walk? Are the dead raised? You can come to Jesus and bring your doubt. You can come to Jesus and say, I... I'm, tr- I'm struggling to believe. Sometimes when you believe in something, it's harder to believe it because it still hasn't happened yet. Some of you are believing for your son to come back. Some of you are believing for that spouse that it hasn't happened. Some of you are believing for healing and it hasn't happened. Some of you are trying to have hope in it, but the more hope you have in it, the less hope you have because it's not happening. Joseph wants to believe that Mary is pregnant by a miraculous, but he can't. It's hard. It's hard. And if that's your story, if you're struggling with something today, Joseph's story will encourage you. Let me read you this this other part. Luke chapter 6, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, she's 50 years old. John the Baptist is in her womb, and Mary is not pregnant yet. Watch what happens. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The Bible gives you these small details, not because it's boring or it's trying to fill up words. The Messiah had to come from the lineage of David so that the scepter would not part from David's throne. Jesus is, there are 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. For those of you who struggle with faith, a mathematician once took eight of the prophecies, eight of the 300, and said, what's the probability that those eight could happen in one person, it's one to the power of ten, and they put a hundred zeros behind it. There are more, that number is so big, there's more molecules than atoms in the universe. It is improbable for anyone to fulfill those simple eight prophecies. Jesus fulfilled 300. And this is one of them. A descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Someone say Mary. Mary. This is the thing I want you to see. The angel went to her. She got an angel. Joseph didn't get an angel. And look what the, the angel does. He doesn't just hold a, a, a card. He says, greetings to you, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That's not fair. Joseph got a dream of an angel. He doesn't know if it's spicy hummus or the pizza. Let's be honest. We ha- Some of us have crazy dreams. Sometimes it's Taco Bell. Sometimes it's Jesus. It's hard to tell. Mary didn't have that doubt. She saw the angel standing in front of her. It's not fair. And I wrote it down like this. Some, some of you, it's not hard to doubt when others experience what you only dream about. You dream about the spouse. You're praying for the spouse and all your friends are getting married. And you look at your Instagram, you're happy for your friend, but you're bitter. I'm cuter than him. I'm funnier than him. And it's hard not to doubt listen, when other people are experiencing what you're dreaming about. I remember at the beginning of the year, I had a list of goals, dreams I had, not just for myself, my faith. I had character goals. I had marriage goals. I had family goals. We put them in five categories. You can steal them. Faith, family, fitness, finance, fun, I think. And at the, at the end of the year, now we're, like, two of them just fell. I just couldn't do it. One of them, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you what it is because it's so vain, but I think it's going to help some people. Uh, one of the goals uh, was I, I wanted to get rid of my dad bought. Come on. I wanted to end the year with a six-pack. Don't judge me. Come on. Uh, but what happened was in January, I'm working out five days a week. I'm eating clean. No Taco Bell. No French fries. I'm sacrificing for the kingdom of heaven. And I'm pushing these cases. If you see how big these cases, some of these cases around the room, they weigh a 1,000 pounds. And I'm pushing it up the the, the trailer and it gets stuck on the lip and it comes back down. This case is a 1,000 pounds. And I push it and go, oh. And I have an MRI, back pain, I go physical therapy for six months. That's not the problem. God's healing my back. I'm good. I can walk. Thank you, Jesus. The problem is I have this stupid app called Instagram. And apparently there are guys who can afford the gym, but they can't afford T-shirts, okay? Because if it's one thing to have a dream and not experience it, it's another thing to see other people experience what you're dreaming about. Because then this is what keeps us up at night. Why are they getting it and I'm not? What's wrong with me? Why are all my friends getting married and I'm not? How come, God, every time their business grows, they get the promotion, and I'm struggling paycheck to paycheck? It's not hard to doubt when other people are experiencing what you dream about. And listen, Joseph, he's a righteous man. He's he's not like CEO, Christmas, Easter only. This man's at church every week. The Bible says he's righteous. He's on the dream team. He's giving. He's serving. He's building the house of God. He's doing everything right. And yet, he gets a dream about an angel, and his wife gets the angel. Can, can you see this picture? And this is the part that I never saw until I prepared for this sermon. Watch this. Luke chapter 1, verse 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then return home. So let me show you this picture. Back up. Elizabeth is this 50-year-old woman. She gets pregnant. She's pregnant for six months. She's carrying John the Baptist. Fast forward six months. An angel comes to Mary. It does not come to Joseph. She, the angel says, you are highly favored. You're going to get pregnant. Now Mary is pregnant. The first thing she does is not tell her, her husband. The first thing she does, she goes to her, Elizabeth's house, and she stays there for three months. Do you know why she's there for three months? Because she's afraid to tell Joseph. Imagine for a moment you are engaged to a girl, and you have not seen her for 30 days. 90 days. There's no FaceTime. There's no email. There might be pigeon mail, but it's different. he have to, like, draw a sketch of yourself and then send it to the person. He has not seen his fiance in 30 days. And poor old jo- Joe. Imagine, after 90 days, I could just see this picture of this Jewish boy with flowers and, like, Jewish chocolate. I don't know what he's holding, right? He's, like, pacing. He's so excited. He's like, I can't wait to see her. And then he sees Elizabeth walk in the room. He's like, oh, she's a little thick. She's eating a lot. I'm telling you, a woman who's three months pregnant, she looks pregnant. She was not pregnant when she left. And now she's coming back. She's like, oh, Elizabeth must be cooking good. Hugs her. Oh, my gosh, girl, I love you. How was the bachelor party? Oh, it wasn't too crazy? Ha, 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 <laughs> And Mary goes, oh, my gosh, Joseph, I've been praying for three months. I have something to tell you. We're going to have a baby. And Joseph's like, I've been praying, too. We should see other people. <laughs> and it's in that moment that he says, I'm done. That's the context. That God came to her, she gets pregnant and runs away for three months and then comes back. And we all expect to see a a teenager pregnant and say, hell yeah, God did this. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to say, God, what? And here's the thing that you need to realize. If you don't interrupt your doubt with hope, your doubt will lead to divorce. I know some of you in this room are divorced. It's painful. It's one of the hardest things to go through. And that the thing that you don't you need in, in a divorce is you're so hopeless. You so have lost hope that things can change, that you think the only way is to separate and end it. Prayer can't fix this, God can't fix this, therapy can't fix this. We are hope addicts. And what I want to do this morning is, I want to show you the Christmas story from the perspective of, of Joseph. Can we come up? Can we go for Pega? Yeah. What you don't know is Pega and her husband, Sohel, are three months pregnant. Come on. Woo! This is the greatest sermon illustration ever. <laughs> I didn't plan this. This is literally what Mary looked like. She didn't have a Chipotle burrito, right? Her belly's not out because she ate a lot of food last night. Imagine Joseph. His wife comes back and he's like, what's that? And every time he sees her pregnant, he sees his doubt. Every time he sees her, he thinks she's unfaithful. He thinks there's no way. How could she possibly get pregnant? But Jesus has two names. Jesus is what identifies him. But Emmanuel is what separates him. And here's what I'm hoping the word of God for you this morning. Every time he sees his doubt, listen, he also sees God. He sees God in his doubt. Because God's in her womb. See, the doubt that you thought was going to destroy your faith is God put it there to build your faith. And when Joseph sees Mary, and he's wounded, and he's crying, and he's lonely, and he's probably depressed, and he sees his doubt, he sees her pregnancy, at the same time, he sees Emmanuel. And God is with you in your pain. God is with you. It's Emmanuel in your depression. It is Emmanuel in your addiction. It is Emmanuel in your brokenness. It is Emmanuel in your darkness. It is Emmanuel when you're hurting. It is Emmanuel when you're divorced. It is Emmanuel when you're crying at night and you don't realize. It is Emmanuel in your brokenness, in your darkness. This is why the forefathers chose Christmas to be on December 25th. They don't know when Jesus died, when he was born. Theologians argue and debate about it all the time. They think it might be January 3rd. It might be December 27th. The forefathers chose December 25th for a reason. Because the darkest day of the year is December 21st. So they wanted to say, how can we best portray Emmanuel but having his birth be on the darkest week of the year? See, Easter, we know when it is. It's always Passover. Passover changes every year because the lunar calendar, I don't know, the crazy changes sometimes. Next year is April 9th. Last year was April 4th. One year was March 27th. But Christmas is always the same time. And the word that God has for you is, I wrote on the screen like this, Christmas is not about God changing your situation. If you want that, come back on Easter. Christmas is about God stepping into your situation. Because Jesus has two names. Jesus and Emmanuel. And Emmanuel's hope that in my brokenness, in my darkness, in my depression, in my addiction, in my brokenness of financial, in my brokenness of my family, in my brokenness of my life, God is still with me. Amen? You can stand up. I am going to pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Can I just pray? pray, Lord, for the people in this room that are wrestling with some secret pain, some secret suffering, that they feel alone, they feel by themselves. God, would you give them hope? Sometimes Christmas is not about victory. Sometimes it's not about a resurrection. God's a reminder that you stepped into our brokenness, that you stepped into our doubt, that you stepped into our darkness. God, I pray, Lord, for those in this room that are experiencing darkness right now. Maybe their their marriage is hard. Maybe their family is. God, maybe, maybe there's a secret sin that they can't get rid of and they feel all alone. Thank you for the hope of Christianity, that God, you are with us, that you have two names, Jesus, and Emmanuel. I pray, Lord, for those in this room that maybe have never taken that step of faith. Remember you never knew that everyone believes in a virgin birth. Whether they use the universe that was a virgin or Jesus that was a virgin. But maybe today God convinced you. Maybe he spoke to you you want to start a relationship with the living God. Listen, let me tell you how much he loves you. The whole reason for the season, the whole reason for Christmas is that we could never make our way to God. So God came to us. God was born a virgin. He lived a sinless and perfect life. Then he died on a cross, the death that, that we deserved. But he was willing to pay it for us. The greatest Christmas present that you will ever receive is not under the tree, It was on a cross. It was Jesus dying for your sin, giving you something you could never earn, work for, or achieve, salvation. And he wants to give it to you freely because he loves you. Every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you this morning, I want to pray a simple prayer. I want you to pray it along with me. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone say, thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived the sinless life, the righteous life, the perfect life, and you came to die for my sin, my sins, my mistakes, my shortcomings. I repent of my sin and turn and come to you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for salvation thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you love me enough to die for me. I receive it. And everybody said, amen. Let me just quickly pray for the offering. We are praying, Jesus, that our worship experience, God, is not just about singing songs. It doesn't just end here, God. It's a lifestyle. We have a, a lifestyle of worship. It's the way I talk. It's the way I walk. It's the way I treat my spouse. It's the way I work. It's why I I handle my sexuality, it's also how I handle my money. Thank you, Jesus, that my worship doesn't just stop when the song stops. It continues, Jesus. I wanna live a lifestyle of worship to honor what you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given me every perfect, good and perfect gift from above. Thank God for the, the offering of Vision Builders, an opportunity, God, to expand your kingdom, to build your house. I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling, to give financially this year. Would you bless them financially, God? I know inflation is difficult, God, but you are the God who provides. You are the God who provides when there is no way, you make a way. But God, allow us to be honest with our fears, to trust you in our doubts. God, I pray for those in this room that are struggling, Jesus, financially. It's difficult. I pray that you encourage them. Pray you give them hope. Pray you provide a way supernaturally. You are the God that provides. You provided a ram for Abraham, God. You are Jehovah Jireh. I'm praying for those, God, that are struggling to put food on the table, struggling to find a job, struggling to pay the bills. I just pray for relief. Pray for hope for them this Christmas season. And everybody said, Hey, thanks again for leaning in today and listening. We hope the message was able to empower you and encourage you. Go ahead and send it to someone so you can bless their day as well. And we'll see you soon.